Welcome to the Unbound Healing Podcast. I'm Anne-Marie Garland, nutritional therapist and health coach at Grassfed Salsa, and with me is my co-host Michelle Hoover, certified nutritional therapy practitioner and writer of everything you'll find at Unbound Wellness. Here we share everything about overcoming health challenges from autoimmunity to hormone imbalance and more with holistic living, mindset shifts, practical tips, and a real food paleo approach. Remember our disclaimer, the content within this podcast is intended to provide general information and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get on with the show. All right. How are you this week? I'm doing good, doing well. There's a lot of things happening in your life. Yes. Yeah. My updates for the time being are strictly involving this whole moving process that I discussed in one of our last podcasts. So we are, I finally announced it to everyone so I can say that we are moving to Kansas, which is where I'm from, where my family lives. And we're honestly really excited about the change and kind of this new adventure to have Gigi, baby Gigi being near uh, family while she's young and then maybe uh, taking a new adventure once she's a little bit older. So that's our, that's our plan for the time being. We're really excited about it. Awesome. I'm excited for you guys. I can't wait to see your new future digs when you find them. And oh, I've been like trying to find something, but it's just too hard to search from from a different state, especially when you yeah. can't go to two of them. So we are, and I mean, you've got a million other things. So yeah, so we'll be in some temporary housing for a few months while we look for a new house. But oh my gosh, the cost of living there is so much lower. And well, yeah, Austin's ridiculous. Yeah, um, and like our income really isn't changing. If anything, it's going to be increasing. So it's just going to be so much less stress, financial stress. That's great. Yeah. I, I cannot, I don't want to think about moving to Austin. It's like California prices. Oh, I know, but I do, I do love it. It's crazy to be like, to be on the other end though of the housing market here, because we just had to get a hotel for three nights because showings were so insane. Like there were so many showings of our house and oh, yeah, even I today, I, I've been home for five hours of it and have already had to like leave my house twice for two showings. And there was supposed to be another one, but I canceled it. It's just so ridiculous. And we already have over asking price offers and some cash offers and it's just insane. Oh yeah. See, I told you, I knew that would happen. Yeah, it's, but the, this, the only sad part is uh, to be completely honest is knowing that like, we likely can't just, um, we likely cannot just make like come back to Austin because I think we'll be priced out of Austin in a couple yeah. of years, like when we would be ready for it. So I'm it priced out of Austin. Now. Jeez. Yeah. It is kind of sad that we can't just like hang out here for another like few years um, and then upgrade to like another nicer house by selling our house for a lot of money. But, um, but we're still profiting on our house and all that's good. So, yeah. 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 Anyway, what's new in your life? 
Um, I guess updates for right now. When this comes out, I will have just got back from New York, so I'll have more updates on that when that comes back. But if you're curious what I ate, what I did, I probably will have posted on Instagram. And if you go onto my blog, unboundwellness.com, and search, I think it's NYC Travel Guide or just New York City. I went in October and I had lots of yummy food and vintage places and whatnot. So go check that out if you're curious. My brother's graduating. That's what we're going to be there for. But on the front of stuff that you guys can get involved in, when this comes out, we will be about a week away from my first workshop here in Dallas with Kara. And those are filling up really, really fast. I'm going to have to talk to um, the place that is putting it on being like, um, we're probably going to need some more chairs for this first one. I mean, it's free, so I don't know how many, but, uh, so the first one is at Brood and Pressed. All three of them are at Brood and Pressed and it's me and my friend, Kara, Kara Halderman of Care About It. We are going to be doing three workshops. The first one is June 3rd, then June 10th. And I think it's 24th. It's the Sunday after that, but they are all on healing with food. So the first one is free. It's on healing with nutrition. And the one after that is healing your gut. And the one following that is healing your adrenals. So we're just really excited to be doing the live event. It's the first one that I'm doing like that here in Dallas. And we would love to meet you. So yeah. That's the biggest thing that's going on right now. So exciting. Yeah. What are you loving this week? I don't know if this is going to be relevant to our listeners, but I'm just going to talk about it because it's relevant to me. And then if y'all are interested, let me know. Maybe we can get a guest on here to talk about it. But I am super interested in learning about how to introduce first foods to your baby because... Baby G is getting to that point where she's super interested in everything that I'm eating. It's actually the cutest thing. She started like sort of sitting on my lap and facing out and I'm pretty much always eating in front of her and she will like watch me take a fork from the plate and she'll like turn her head to watch it go up to my mouth and then follow it back to the plate and like repeat and repeat, which is just. Um, she's grunting right oh gosh she's grunting right now which means there's probably going to be a big old poop here in a bit but uh, anyway so um, we're just kind of like thinking about when we want to start introducing foods to her and how that's going to work and the optimal time to start foods and how to start foods to try to avoid food intolerances which I feel like if you've been a listener you know that food intolerances is one of my passion. So obviously it's something that I'm now passionate about on a micro scale for my little one. Yeah. Yeah. And I know nothing about it. So it's just, it's interesting to kind of do some research on how to introduce those foods. Yeah. It is interesting. Yeah. It's really, it's crazy. Like I first thought, oh, I want to introduce avocado because I personally love avocado and also just I don't know. It's like a good source of calorie, I would think. And then people were telling me, no, you want to mix it with banana because it's too rich in fat for just avocado. And I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. There are just so many things. And then I even thought about making like a bone broth homemade formula to kind of start her on that so that it's like 
um, getting some other flavors into her palate before she's actually like introduced to like pureed foods. So it's just kind of like a step mm -hmm. in that direction. So anyway, there's just so much to think about. I'm um, ordering the Nourishing Traditions for Babies book. Yeah, there's so much to know with that. Every time I hear somebody talking about it, I freak out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to accidentally like give my kid like a whole sirloin steak and walk away. Like, bye. <laughs> you probably want that. <laughs> probably. Who knows? So today we are going to be talking about how to make a healing lifestyle sustainable. One of the most common questions I get from folks is, how do you stay motivated? How do you keep doing this? And a lot of the time that question is you know, geared towards like, how do you even get started? And that's a whole different topic and things that we've talked about a lot, how we have gotten started personally. If you're wondering that, if you go back to episode one, we talk about our whole stories and really what drove us into this lifestyle. So we talk about that more here. Here we're going to be talking about how to make it sustainable, how to keep going after you do your initial 30 days or 60 days or your first few, and you just kind of want to want to call it quits. You don't really feel like you want to keep going. So we're going to be talking about how to make it sustainable, things that just make this healing lifestyle easier, and how to not get back to the point that you were. Because I've had plenty of times where I started a healing lifestyle and I just kind of spiraled out of control and wound up having to start from scratch all over again. So we'll be talking about that as well. But we kind of broke it out step by step. So the first thing that we wanted to start with, the first step in making a healing lifestyle more sustainable is focusing in on that word healing. The reason that we're not saying healthy lifestyle is because we're all here kind of from the chronic illness world where we have more things that we need to do rather than just eat halfway decent and exercise. Like we need to heal our bodies after it has been damaged from chronic illness and inflammation. But that healing phase, we need to acknowledge that that hardcore healing phase is temporary. So the healing phase that you're in when you're on an autoimmune protocol or a low FODMAP diet or GAPS or a specific carbohydrate diet, or you're on an adrenal protocol or a parasite protocol from your doctor, like that healing phase is temporary. The point is that you are supposed to heal. You are supposed to go through the bulk of the healing. You still have to kind of follow up with that lifestyle just so you don't get back to square one. But a parasite protocol, an adrenal protocol, even an autoimmune protocol, like that's not supposed to last forever. People ask me, you know, how do you keep doing AIP forever? You don't. You follow it as a template and you do a temporary healing phase where it's a little bit more hardcore, but you move into a lifestyle after that. So that's the really important thing to acknowledge when you're thinking, how do I make this sustainable? Is it's not going to be as intense as it is for the first 90 days, you know? Would you agree? 
Yes, a hundred percent. And that's like everything you said, it's just very, it's very relevant because right now I'm working with clients through my online program and that's exactly how it is. Like, how can I imagine doing this forever? And it can be disheartening, especially in the beginning, but that's the thing. It's not forever. It's mm -hmm. just like you said, it's a very temporary thing. Exactly. So I think step two is a really important one of outlining what you're trying to accomplish with a healthy and healing lifestyle and why. So how do you stay motivated? Like what do you what do you actually do to keep doing this? You need to step back and look at your why and look at what you're actually trying to accomplish and then you can figure out how to actually make that into a lifestyle. So are you coming from a background of maybe having, so I'll use myself as an example, that I have Hashimoto's and my antibodies are in a normal range. So it is quote unquote in remission, but my goal is to not get back to that point. So how I, it's not so much, hey, I need to heal it. I need to go into overdrive to really zero in on my adrenals, zero in on healing my gut. Like I've already done that hardcore initial phase, but what I'm trying to accomplish is to not get back there. So I've had to sit down and lay out like, okay, what does that mean for me? Like that means that I'm not going to eat, you know, this X amount of things that doesn't work for me, but I'm going to have ice cream sometimes. And I'm going to go on this vacation and not really care as much what I eat, you know? So I think that's really important to step back and be like, okay, what are my goals? What am, what am I trying to accomplish? And what do I need to do to get there? And that's, you were outlining a lot of things for you guys here, but that's one thing that you have to outline for yourself on a person by person basis, and then come back and look at that a lot again. My husband's a very goal-oriented person. He sits down and makes goals for the month every single month. And I'm not that organized. If I could be 2% as organized as my husband is, uh, everything would be way more impressive that I do, trust me. But I try, I do it at least once a year where I sit down and really look at, okay, like my health goals are this. Like a couple of years ago, my health goal was to fix that, fix that mercury toxicity. Then I had to look at like, okay, that's what I'm trying to accomplish. Like, what is it that I need to do? And what I was doing then is not what I'm doing now. So making the lifestyle sustainable is having it be kind of fluid and having it change and reevaluating those goals. I try to do it every quarter that I come back and look at like, okay, where are my goals? Not so much like my husband where it's every single month. <laughs> right. Well, there's a little side note recommendation that I have. <laughs> Excuse you. A uh, little side note recommendation that I have for that would be the only thing that I've, the only planner that I've ever used that has helped me set monthly goals that has really like motivated me to set and stick to them was the get to work book. And they have, so this is coming up at a good time because they, they send them out either in January or I think in July. So you won't waste an entire half a year if you're interested in it, but it just has a really good 
layout to kind of help motivate for weekly goals and monthly goals and then like a reflection page kind of at the end of the month so you can really see what you've worked on. And this is a really important step is making it to making it not feel like it's an indefinite thing. It's something that's going to be very temporary and you're setting a plan for like, okay, the next month or the next three months rather than until this health problem resolves itself, which could be, you know, a year down the road. And that just feels very unsustainable. For sure. That's what overwhelms people is when they start, you know, like I'm going to come in and Hey, I'm trying to, my autoimmune disease is all over the place. I need to come in and heal it. And then they look at this very more intense focused healing protocol in the beginning. It's like, how do I make this sustainable? It's like, well, you don't like, this isn't it forever. Right. So. Well, and that's when I first started, I think now's a good time to kind of talk into, and I know we mentioned this in a lot of our different episodes, but um, talking about coming from a disordered eating background or and having an actual eating disorder and coming into something like this, what made it sustainable for me the third time I tried it coming from that type of a background was approaching it with the mindset of I'm only going to do this for a week. I'm going to buy everything for this week's grocery trip. And if I just can't handle it, then next week I can do whatever I want. And then just keeping up that one week at a time basis. And then before you know it, six weeks has passed and like you're ready to start reintroductions. Mm-hmm. If you are ready to start, not, not everybody's going to be ready to start at six weeks, but yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about step three? Yeah. Or our so next point. Planning ahead and obviously is going to be like a really important step and that's going to be involved in a variety of different ways. So not just planning ahead your meals and your grocery list, which obviously that is a really important step in just making it easier and making you be able to stick to a dietary protocol easier, but also planning ahead financially for if you need to get like a functional medicine practitioner, that's something that you may need to save up for because the testing and and even just the consultations aren't going to be super cheap. Um, Maybe because you plan on seeing a functional medicine practitioner, something that Michelle and I are both part of is a health share as opposed to health insurance. And Mm -hmm. that way it's a more cost effective, at least in our case, it's a more cost effective approach to healthcare. And that way we aren't spending a lot of money on health insurance that doesn't end up getting applied to a functional medicine practitioner anyway, because they oftentimes don't take health insurance. So it's not like you're paying for something that you're not going to use in unless there's an emergency. And instead you're paying less money. And if there is an emergency, you have coverage. So that's, mm. uh, that's one way that you can plan ahead. Um, we talked about meal planning in one of our recent episodes. So you could kind of listen back into that, but also just coming up with an overall game plan. And this may be working with your practitioner on what supplements you need to do, what lifestyle changes you need to make. And there are a variety of different ways that you can go about that. So like I said, you can work with your practitioner, you can work with a coach, you can go through an online program, but really breaking it down into manageable steps is going to make it a much easier approach as opposed to just jumping in and figuring things out as you go. Mm -hmm. 
And having a plan and sticking to it for X amount of time, and that, that a lot comes from working with a practitioner, but an issue that I have fallen into many times, and I'm sure many of our listeners can relate, is that we follow a certain protocol for 15 days, or we take a new supplement until the bottle is halfway done or whatever. And we say, this isn't working. I'm going to jump to something new. I'm going to jump to something new. I'm going to jump to something new. And that break of routine and that way of just never really completing anything is a really great way to not make something sustainable because you never get into a groove and you never really get into anything. So really planning like, okay, what am I going to be focusing on this year, this quarter, right now? Or am I going to just keep jumping from a million different things of like, well, I want to try low carb, but I also want to try low fat and I don't want to eat as much animal protein or I want to eat, you know, just going all over the place. I didn't put this on the list, but I feel like this is something that's a little bit different from person to person. But to me, something that's really helpful within this planning ahead is having a routine. And a lot of people will advise against that if you're trying to live like a really exciting lifestyle. (laughs) Routines are bad. If you're trying to travel the world, you don't want a routine. You want to be in a different city every day. You want to be out there being like Mick Jagger, doing whatever. But I find as a highly sensitive person who has had gut issues, who has and had autoimmunity, having different things being thrown into my face all of the time and never having some sense of routine of like, these are the days that I go to yoga. These are the days that I prep meals. This is when I go to the grocery store. Like having that routine has just been able to help me to plan things ahead so much easier and make this lifestyle sustainable. I had just this past week, I changed up my routine kind of of how I work. Like I do certain things on certain days and I completely flipped some things around and my entire week, I just felt so thrown off, so out of it. And I'm sure there's probably some people listening right now that are like, oh no, I can't live like that. I have to not have a routine. I have to do something different all the time. But I don't know, just as somebody who goes through it and somebody who's worked with a lot of people, I definitely advise that if you're struggling making this lifestyle sustainable, sitting down and building out a routine is I think really important. What about you? What are your thoughts on routine? Totally. I'm totally with you on the routine thing, especially just like productivity. I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. can relate to the fact that like when you don't have a schedule, when you don't have a list of things that you need to do, things either get pushed off, they get procrastinated, they get forgotten. And Mm -hmm. when you have something where it's like, okay, every day at like, let's talk about full-time job every day at 8 AM, you get to work and sit down at your desk and you immediately start working. Well, if you suddenly start working from home and you don't have a routine set up, then you're going to be working all hours of the day. You likely will be missing some hours. I mean, it's just, it's necessary. Um, so yeah, I would agree with you. And I know that everybody is different, but I think that even if your personality doesn't tend to like 
think that a routine is necessary for you, I think that it would really benefit you to at least give it a shot to see how much more effective your protocol would go. And not necessarily even all of a sudden having like a boring lifestyle if you're used to just kind of doing whatever and traveling all over the place all of the time, but having routines for some things. Yeah. You don't have to do it for everything. I try to not have routines on the weekend just because I like to be able to like, okay, now we're going to see family. Now we're going for, Hey, the weather's really nice. Let's just go here. So that's a little bit more in flux. And I mean, when I own my own business every day is different. I cannot really have much of a routine there for everything, but yeah, X amount of things like meal prep, like going grocery shopping, like having designated time for movement and community and all of that stuff. I think really, it's really helpful to have a routine. Right. Well, and the other thing going back to like planning ahead and formatting a routine is that it helps you to identify potential like roadblocks. And Mm -hmm. by doing that, you can identify what may cause you to like trip up on something, but it would also allow you to like come up with a game plan for if that happens, like how can I get back on track or how can I prevent that from becoming an issue? 100%. This is something that I do in my business, but I guess I've kind of gotten used to doing it in my life, but I have a content calendar for my blog of what I need to do. So I'll write on my content calendar, I'm going to make a paleo lasagna or whatever. And then it's like, okay, I see that. But then I have to back up and say, okay, well, I need to buy a lasagna pan and I need to make sure I have all of the ingredients. I need to make sure that I map out my recipe, all that stuff. It's the same thing for meal prep and going to a new yoga class, all of that stuff. Like, Hey, I want to try a yoga class on Saturday. Okay. Well, you need to back up on Friday and look into like, okay, well, what studio do I want to go to? Like what times are there? If I have kids, do I need to arrange childcare? You know, all of that. So, and I guess that's the kind of thing that is a little bit more it just kind of comes to a point where you just automatically do it. But in the beginning, that's something that always tripped me up. Like I was always trying to get to a yoga class or make a certain meal and be like, oh, well, I'm missing this one thing. So if you're just starting out with this, I think that's important. But yes, that was a really great add-in. Yeah. Well, the next thing that we wanted to talk about, and this is one that I tell people a lot and I'm really excited to see other people saying it as well on making a healing lifestyle sustainable is making it a fun and interesting lifestyle rather than just, you know, saying I can't have this X amount of foods and that's my lifestyle. And you're not really looking stepping out of your box and looking for ways to also make that fun and interesting. You're just kind of saying, these are the things that I can't have, but you're not putting in the effort to to highlight the things that you can have or create new opportunities. And that's one thing that really, really held me back when I was trying to make this a lifestyle. So in the beginning, if you've heard my story, I talked about how 
When I was about 20 or so, I went on a similar autoimmune protocol type diet and it was really helpful and really great. And then I wound up feeling sorry for myself, not wanting to make it fun. And my whole life was just me coveting other people for eating pizza and wanting a different life that I had and not so much focusing on, okay, how do I make this fun? How do I make this exciting? How do I focus on what I can have? And that has been the number one game changer for me because when I wasn't focusing on that, I wound up having to go back and do a hardcore healing lifestyle, healing protocol, you know, multiple times over because I kept falling back into this other lifestyle that I was desiring that wasn't healthy for me. So I had to turn my healthy lifestyle into a desirable one. And, you know, there's always things that you can desire out of other people's lifestyles as well. But things for me that made my healthy lifestyle fun, obviously food, (laughs) is a big one, but making fun treats, like trying new things like sweet potato chicken poppers on my blog and like those Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets that I have and just making new cookies or even like savory recipes that aren't necessarily treats. I made this yummy like pesto chicken like that's something completely new and different for me that I usually didn't make, but I tried that and that totally helped me switch up my routine, taking treks out to like compliant restaurants. Like when I, whenever I go to Austin and talk about how I have to go out of my way to go to picnic and (laughs) places like that, like there are so many ways that you can still have fun without going to Chili's and having half off apps, you know, (laughs) or whatever. I don't even know what they do there anymore. Yes. Well, I think that's probably it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, The other thing that you can do is not to focus the fun things only being around food, but also, but yeah, we've talked about this before, um, in like how to socialize on a healing diet. And there are so many different activities that you can do that don't involve food, like bowling or right now we're coming into summer. So like going to the lake or like a water park or something and, and bringing your own treats. But again, just like you said, like finding there are compliant treats out there that taste amazing. And just because it doesn't, it may not involve your favorite, like gluten filled bread doesn't mean that it's not going to be delicious. So finding Mm -hmm. some, some great options for you to kind of replace those things that you may have been uh, feeling deprived of really, really helps with sustainability. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I always bring up food first, but obviously there are things in life other than Yeah. That. Well, and food is a huge part of it. I mean, for the most part, we're talking about healing protocols that do involve food. So I think that that's definitely a great thing to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. But also finding ways that you can not focus on food. So there, like this weekend, we took a stressful situation that was me having to take two dogs and a baby every hour out of the house and just drive around aimlessly mm-hmm. while we could come back. And instead, we made like a staycation out of it. So my husband actually surprised me with it for Valentine's Day or for Mother's Day. But we ended up life. 
going, <laughs> we ended up going to a hotel with like a really nice pool that we could hang out at. And both of us still had to get work done, but we did it out by the pool, just like made it more special than us sitting in our house doing work while the baby's just chilling, you know? And so it's like mm-hmm. something that made it more fun, but didn't even involve food. And so you can do a variety of different things. For sure. Um, I wanted to jump ahead to this one. So I think that this is really, really important. And it's something that I've had to learn the hard way several times over. After you are done with your healing protocol, so if you are on an adrenal protocol or a gut healing protocol, like a 90-day thing or a parasite protocol, whatever, when you're done with that and you see all of this progress and, hey, I've got my blood work back and it's so much better, keep seeing that doctor. Like If you have a holistic doctor or a chiropractor or whoever you're going to, once you finish that healing protocol, don't drop them once you start feeling better. I had so much anxiety about constantly going back to the doctor and having them charge me more and more and more money every time I went because functional medicine is expensive. But every time that I did that, when I went on a protocol and said, okay, I feel great now. And then they would say, okay, well, I'll see you next month or I'll see you in six weeks. It's like, no, well, I don't need to see you in six weeks. I'm fine. I'm just going to come in and pay out the nose for a bunch more supplements. So I would just drop them. And then six months later or a year later, I was feeling terrible and I didn't know why. And I had to go through paying, you know, $400 for testing again. I've done this so many times. And it is really bad to do that. And so I, I, I still do it sometimes of like, oh, I don't need this doctor's appointment right now and I'll cancel it and reschedule and then, you know, kick myself later for doing that. You need, so you do not need to be on a healing protocol forever, but staying on that course for maintenance is so important. So let's say you just came off of a parasite cleanse or something like that. You likely still need some support to transition into a new lifestyle or you need to do some healing. Maybe your body took a hit from that. You need to do a little bit of gut healing. Even if you don't see your doctor every six weeks, I had a doctor that was trying to see me every six weeks all the time for the rest of my life. It's like, no, it's not a haircut. Like I can't pay a hundred dollars plus a bunch of, I mean, I don't even get my hair cut every six weeks. That's too expensive for me. So I found a doctor who I see her every couple months, every, every few months. So maybe four times a year, something like that. Um, maybe even three. And that's just because I am still going through stuff. I'm still healing as well. So my maintenance plan is maybe a little bit more intense than some people, but do not just stop going to that doctor and not come back until you're in a full-blown flare. Like that is a really bad way to try and pursue a healing lifestyle long-term because there's so many things that when you see that doctor and you think that you're doing well and it's like, okay, well, I'm not in a full-blown flare, so I don't really need to talk to them, but hey, I, I'm having some... A- allergies or I'm having headaches or I'm having sore joints. Like you could be dealing with something little that you don't think is a big thing that for a doctor, that could be something, a trigger for them of like, okay, you may be experiencing this. Like, let's try to 
do something differently. Let's try to get on this different supplement or let's try to switch up your exercise routine or your eating. Like I, as a nutritional therapy practitioner, I saw that from people all the time where they would say something that they thought was really significant, like insignificant that they were going through. And it would be sending off red flags for me of like, okay, we need to be doing this different actually, because that's a, that's a sign that we're moving in the wrong direction. So of course, being careful to not just spend all of your money on supplements and everything all the time when it's just constantly going in and paying like a hundred dollar fee once a month when it's just not relevant, but working with your doctor to see, okay, I'm feeling really good right now, but I still want to keep this relationship going. Like I still want to make sure that I'm on a great maintenance plan with you. I can't come in every other day or whatever. What's a reasonable schedule that I can start to come in? And most doctors will be great about that of saying like, okay, I'll see you again in four months or they'll have a patient portal where you can talk to them. My doctor has that and it's really helpful that she has that, but not everybody does, but yeah, making sure that you keep that doctor patient relationship going and not just dropping that all together. Right. That's a really good point about, well, just not every doctor though is going to be they're not going to really know what to do with that type of request of like, Hey, how can we keep this as like a maintenance program? Because the traditional healthcare system is set up to be based around chronic disease, not necessarily chronic disease prevention. And mm. so finding a doctor, we've talked about this so many times, finding a practitioner who you can trust to put you through a protocol and, and be able to like monitor you and give you the type of support to continue forward with it. And that may not be a, you know, maybe in the short term, it's a doctor to test you for these things, but then maybe in the long term, you want to find a health practitioner of like a nutritionist or a health coach that can analyze those results for you and like help to give you the support you need to, work your way through the protocol. And maybe that's going to be like a six month program with a health coach ends up being discounted than paying every single month to go see your doctor. And then at the end of six months, you go back and retest with your doctor. Maybe that's a more cost-effective solution. But again, this all goes back to kind of like having a plan in place to, to see how it, how it'll all play out for you. And of course, you're not going to have a plan in place right away before knowing all these things. But I think just having an understanding of how things generally work, um, I think that would be a realistic option. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, making sure that you have, our next step is making sure that you have a strong community to support you. And that's going to be whether it's your friends, your family, a therapist, it could be a online group. There is a website. I'm not sure if we've ever mentioned it before, but there's a website called meetup.com. Mm -hmm. And it's how I initially met friends in Austin. And then eventually I met friends in Austin through Instagram. But um, the meetup.com was a really great way to meet people who have shared interests with you. And you can search by a variety of different things. But I, at one point, even talked to a girl who was planning on starting, I don't know if she ever did, a chronic illness support group through meetup. 
And so maybe that's something that you want to do just to have like an outlet of people who can relate to what it means to be in chronic pain or suffering through chronic illness and be your support system. And this is something that you can find like through a variety of different ways. It could be somebody that you find online. I recommend trying to connect with somebody, whether it's like online, finding some way to connect on a little bit more than just like a surface level. So let's say just like me found friends through Instagram. Well, it's not like we have a Instagram digital virtual meetup every single month. We, Mm -hmm. at some point I had to go to a stranger's house and sit with a bunch of other strangers and talk about things until these people ended up becoming my dear, dear friends who I've now seen every single month, multiple times a month for the past two years, you know? So at some point you got to figure out a way that that makes it work. And maybe you connect with somebody. It's like, I connected with Michelle. We don't live in the same city. So obviously we can't see each other every month, but we have a text conversation. We have this podcast and we can see each other and support each other through a distance, but in a way that's more meaningful than just sliding into each other's DMs on Instagram. Exactly. I think it's and sliding into somebody's DMs and all, I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to your favorite blogger or your favorite influencer or whatever and sliding in their DMs and being like, Hey, do you like such and such tea? Like what restaurant do you recommend there? Like, that's all great. And I respond to those DMs, like those are all like great conversations, but it's, if you're looking for like that long-term support, that stuff is just all like little questions here and there. Like you can get into more of a relationship with people online or in person. So not necessarily just always asking like, Hey, where is this? What, you know, those really surface level conversations, they're great and they're necessary sometimes, but that's not the kind of support that we're talking about. It's the people that when you go through something, they're the ones that are going to ask you about it and check in on you and tell you that they care and all of that stuff. So it's really important to have those people and somebody that has their fair share of all of the anxieties, but social anxiety as well is hard for me to um, just meet new people as an adult. I think it's hard for a lot of adults. I don't think that we admit it as much as we should, but it is hard to make those friendships, but it's, it's so accessible and it's so possible. And I guarantee you that whoever you are out there right now, there is somebody out there that relates to you a hundred percent and would so appreciate your friendship. Because when I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, I was like, nobody understands me. And I don't understand any, like, I don't understand anybody. Nobody understands me. Like nobody gets it. I guarantee you that there's so many people who are in your shoes and they would love to be your text buddy or be your once a month coffee or tea date buddy that just supports each other and talks to each other. So if you don't think that you're good enough or too anxious to go out and meet these people, you are, and you shouldn't be anxious. 
Right. And that also doesn't mean that you need to be like aggressive on Instagram. Oh, no, no, no. Find somebody and be like, oh my gosh, we are the same person because I've done this before. We are the same person. Let's be text buddies. Here's my number. Text me. Yeah. Yeah. We will not get a great response from that. So instead, like finding somebody that you really do genuinely connect with and then maybe reaching out and being like, hey, we've shared this connection over and over again. I feel like it's mutual. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I know this has happened. This is, this is not just like a personal testimonial here. This is something that I've had friends who have found their, like they've been dealing with chronic Lyme disease and they found other people who are suffering from that on Instagram. And then they even like planned retreats with just this like group of five to 10 people because they had all connected and made these like really great friendships. But at some point it stopped just being a digital connection and it started being like, whether that's phone calls, text messages, or even eventual meetings, but something more than just social media. Yeah. And something more than just that base level conversation. And I'll tell you right now that as, well, I met my husband on match.com and this is a little bit different, but it's also the same. Um, and when I first signed up for match.com, there were like all these guys sending me messages like, Hey, I have tickets to a wine tasting this weekend. You want to go? I was like, who are you? Like, I have not made a connection with you at all. Did you just send this message to like 14 different girls and you're going to have all these women going to a wine tasting with you? Like, who are you? I've never heard from you in my life. And then my husband, the one that I, the only guy that I met on that website, um, he sent me messages like back and forth for like a month almost before we actually met, like actually trying to build a relationship. And the same exact thing goes for social media or try or even somebody that you know in real life like before you have this meaningful relationship with them like build a foundation on it and i mean it really goes for online when you just send somebody a message like hi i see we both live in um dayton ohio like you want to get together like now it's like um hi maybe like what's your name (laughs) Like I, I like to have a little bit more of a foundation there before you just dive into something and it makes a lot stronger relationship later. My relationship advice. I'm just like thinking about when I was like online dating my friends through meetup.com. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. My friend and I had this story of like how we were the only ones who were like connecting with each other at this girl's dinner thing. We were like, catty corner across the entire long table and we're like just trying to talk to each other and then we're walking out to our car and I was like oh my old roommate is coming to visit me and we're gonna go see a movie do you want to come with us and she like felt like we were dating and (laughs) (laughs) those are the best kind of friendships where you kind of feel like in the beginning it's it feels like that kind of like you're asking them out yeah (laughs) yeah that's fun All right. And then our last step is to work on your mindset. And obviously this is something that is incredibly important to making something sustainable, but just there's a variety of different ways where, um, where your mindset can overall trip you up in your protocol, whether it's actually making you like, 
fall out of it and go back to the way you were, or if it's just making you have a bad attitude towards it and it, that helps to, or hinders your ability to actually heal because it's causing a, a stress response in your body. But you need to, at some point, just make the, the transition to acceptance over like feeling really down on it and feeling bitter towards it. Because at some point, you have to determine like, is this a protocol that you can change? And if it's not something that can change without this protocol, like let's say it's your, you're talking about your health here. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but if you're talking about your health and you know that your health is not going to improve without this protocol, but you're just feeling so reluctant to start it, you really need to dive deep into why you're reluctant and how you can change that because otherwise you're just going to constantly be in this unhealthy state for the rest of your life. And is that really how you want to spend the rest of your life? So at some point, just determining that the birthday parties and the pizza and the lasagna is less helpful for you and you need to stick to your guns and make your protocol work for you. And that's more important than these potential foods that will satisfy you for five minutes while you're eating them. Mm -hmm. Do you want to add anything to that mindset? Maybe you can say it a little more eloquently. <laughs> um, yeah. I, one thing that I was thinking about this it's something that I really like. It's something that Diane Sanfilippo said one time. Well, I mean, she said it a lot on the Balance Bite podcast. It Balance Bites. <laughs> Why am I like slurring my words? Um, and that's, oh, well, what about when you're six months into this process and you go out and you're on a road trip and you're going into a 7-Eleven and there's a Mars bar there. Is a Mars bar a thing? What I know. It sounds like it. I don't even know what candy is anymore. Wow. This makes my point even more. Uh, watch the Mars. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, three musketeers. There's a, And there's nothing else to eat. Like, should I just eat it? Like, there's a point where it becomes to where that's just not even food anymore. Like, that's just not even an option in my head. Like, I don't even know what candy bars are called anymore. <laughs> So it's just not even an option for me. I'm like, I'm going to feel terrible if I eat that. It's just not an option. But you have to do the work to make that shift. And that is so, so important for making this lifestyle sustainable because it's almost easier to do that of like 90 days without a Three Musketeers bar. Like I can do this. But when it comes to the nine months point and you're just like, eh, it's Halloween, whatever, you need to be making that shift of like, no, this just isn't really an option for me because it doesn't serve me and it's going to make me feel terrible. But you need to consistently do that work to make that shift. And uh, a lot, sorry, go on. No, just totally like preaching that. Yeah, I loved that because it's so, so true of you really need to say like, okay, well, it's just not an option. Like I'm never going to just like, oh, well, whatever, I'm eating this bag of M&Ms. And that's not because I have some sort of, uh, and the reason is, is because like, I know that it's going to make me feel terrible and feeling terrible isn't an option for me anymore. But you have to tell yourself that, like you can't just expect that when it gets to Halloween and you're a couple of drinks in, you're feeling a little Mars bar tipsy. I don't know what I'm saying about words anymore. 
<laughs> I literally don't even know candy. Um, and you're just kind of ha- out having fun and everybody's eating candy. Like, eh, well, what's one, what's two? Um, you know, it's you feeling really bad and not feeling so great. And if you have something like celiac disease or, um, any serious issues with dairy or soy, like it could be feel, it could be feeling really bad for a while. Like if I were to eat something with nightshades in it, like that would throw me off for like a week. But so I had to make the mental shift of like, that's just not even an option, but it all comes from me consistently telling myself that. And of course, making the mental shift to tell yourself it's not an option because I am restricting food from myself or not trying to give myself calories or any sort of nourishment or anything is because I'm trying to empower myself to be a healthier, more capable, happier person. Um, I think that's really big. Not talking down to yourself. You kind of brought that up of just having a, you know, a a downer kind of attitude over, I mean, I talk about this, this episode that I just felt sorry for myself. And it's part of that same mindset of shifting that I don't feel sorry for myself because I feel healthier than I ever did when I was eating nightshades and all that Halloween candy. So I feel great. And then always just being grateful for what you do have. So being grateful for the situation that you are in. And if you do slip up, because slip ups will happen. Like I'm going to Paris in September. Like, do you really think that I'm going to be there? Like, sorry, no dairy. Sorry, no. Like it's it's gonna get a little wild. There may be a French Mars bar in there. I don't know. Like it's gonna, there will be some room for fluctuation there. Um, And if I wind up feeling really bad after that, I'm just going to have to forgive myself and say, okay, I tried something. I tried to go off the reins. It didn't work. Or maybe it did. And I can't come home and keep doing that because that's going to eventually lead me into a flare. But Nobody can expect 112% perfection from themselves all of the time. And when we hit those walls, we have to be able to forgive ourselves, say like, okay, I, this wasn't the best choice. This didn't have the best outcome. I'm going to move past this. Um, and that's forgiving yourself and then forgiving others too. I just had this conversation on um, Unbreakable You with Meg Dahl that was a really fun podcast to do where I talked, I I told a story of forgiveness of, you know, people who judged me throughout my illness and lots of people still continue to, I have a lot of experiences all the time where people are like, you're eating that you're doing what? And I constantly just have to forgive them. Um, and, but that's what helps make this sustainable. So Yeah. yeah. All right. That wraps it up. Are we talking meal of the week now? Yeah. I may have given this as my meal of the week before. So forgive me. Um, Forgive me. (laughs) It'll be a good reminder. Lifestyle sustainable. Um, Yeah, it is. It is this time of year. It's a good one to have. Um, It's on my blog. It's like sweet potato sliders where I make sweet potato buns and have like these little mini baby burgers. And I put avocado on there and quick pickled onions and arugula 
the weather is getting nice and I mean, it's too hot at this point, but it's really sunny. And if I go outside at like nine o'clock at night, it feels nice. So I'm kind of in the mood for the burger type thing. And if you are not eating normal hamburger buns, the sweet potato buns are really good. And another one that I haven't had made this in a while, but there are recipes out there for it. I think that you have one too. It's like a like plantain flatbread that makes a really good burger bun. Oh yeah, plantain tortillas. Yeah, I've done that and I've made like a burger bun out of it before. It's really, it's good. You know, just like really easy plantain tortilla. Throw a burger between it. It's yummy. So oh, and I just put out a recipe for like sweet potato tater tots, and that's just an amazing thing to pair with a burger too. So. Oh yeah. Just burger life. (laughs) Sounds delish. We've been eating a ton of burgers lately. So I feel you on that. Yeah. Love it. So that's it for this week. You guys, we are going to be batching some episodes with Anne's move coming up and all of just summer travel and stuff and things. So if you want to squeeze in some questions, if you want to request some topics, request some guests, whatever, now's a really good time to do it. So our email is unboundhealing at gmail.com. Shoot us an email over there and we will add your request, your question, whatever it is we will add it to our list and we will be getting to all that soon but that's it for this week bye from me ann and baby Gigi. (laughs) yeah bye thanks so much for listening to the unbound healing podcast be sure to subscribe in itunes and leave us a review until next time you can find more from me ann at grassfedsalsa.com and more from michelle at unboundwellness.com We'll see you next week. Bye.